Welcome back, friends. Pastor Matt Eichhorn here with you today. This podcast is a ministry of Eckerd Baptist Church. And once again, we want to thank you for listening in on our podcast. It's titled Building Lives. We're in the midst of a mini-series entitled The Road to Spiritual Success. Now, just by way of a quick review as to where we've been, we started this little mini-series by talking about what is spiritual success, and then we transitioned to some indicator lights for spiritual success. Indicator lights, those warning lights that indicate if you need to give attention to a particular area of your life. We've looked at genuine salvation. That was the first indicator. And then last time we looked at the second indicator, which was spiritual fruit. So in order to be on the road to spiritual success, there needs to be genuine salvation and there needs to be spiritual fruit. And last time we looked at the spiritual fruit of obedience, the spiritual fruit of fellowship and of confession. And today I want us to look at a third indicator, light. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you're back to the age of four, five, six, maybe, And you had a birthday party of a friend, and your friend's dad pulls out that bottle of bubbles. And in that bottle is this little wand that he sticks up to his mouth, and he blows into the wand, and these bubbles just start going everywhere. And as kids, you're just loving it because you're seeing all these bubbles, and what do you do? You start going after them, right? I mean, there's different sizes, and you're fascinated with them. And the idea is that you want to catch them. I mean, you're giggling, you're laughing, you're trying your hardest to to run and catch one of these bubbles. All these bubbles have one thing in common though, right? And that is eventually they pop. What the world has to offer is much like those bubbles. They're fun. They're attractive. They're certainly appealing to the eye. And they're worth trying to catch. But eventually, when we chase after the bubbles of the world, they're going to pop. Pursuing worldly values is like chasing bubbles. That's the third indicator I want us to look at today. The third indicator is pursuing godly desires. I'm going to go back to the book of John, 1 John. This is the same author of the John the Gospel. But in 1 John chapter 2, John gives us some guidance here on this issue of pursuing godly desires. First of all, he gives us a declaration concerning the world in verse 15. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He gives us a command here. He says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is incredibly attractive. It's incredibly enticing, isn't it? This word love that John uses, it's the word agape. It's that self-sacrificing, that's give it everything I have type of love. It's the love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross when he paid for the sin of man. In other words, one will sacrifice everything as an expression of one's love. And John says here, do not love, don't have that kind of love for the world or the things in the world. Now, when he talks about the world, he's not talking about the physical world, like the round globe that you may have in your home or in your office. He's talking about the invisible spiritual system, the invisible spiritual system that is dominated by Satan and evil. It's the world's values. It's the world's system. It's the world's morals. 
Anything that is contrary to the word of God, that's part of the world and the world system. James said it like this, James 4.4, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Jesus said these words in the same John, it's in 1 John, recorded them in the Gospel of John, when he said in John 15, 18, and 19, Jesus speaking, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The believer must be self-disciplined to not be entrapped by the world's system. The world is very attractive. It's very enticing. It's like those bubbles that you want to chase as a kid and just put your hands on them and grab them and all of a sudden, boom, it's gone. The world is very enticing, very attractive. And the believer must take extra measures in protecting himself from the seductions of the world. Think in your own life for a moment. What are some things in your life that are you're just consumed with by way of the world's standards? Maybe it's material things. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's things of sinful things that the world offers like pornography. You must be self-disciplined so that you don't become entrapped by the world's system. John says, listen, folks. Do not love the world or the things in the world. That's a very strict command. And with that command comes a caution. Because if anyone, verse 15, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Christians can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. That word if is conditional. It's a choice. It's a choice that we desire to make. There's no room. There's no room to have a spiritual affair with God and the world because he will not tolerate that. There's no room for compromise. And unfortunately, Christians all around us are lowering the standard of God's word to adapt to the things of the world. Sadly, too, churches have compromised on doctrine. Churches have compromised on biblical principles, on moral issues, because of the pressure of the world. And John says, don't love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Friends, the heart of man is narrow, and it cannot contain both loves. The more our love for the world prevails in our lives, the more our love for God dwindles. So John tells us, he gives us declaration here concerning the world. Don't love the world or the things in the world. And if anyone loves the world, it's an indicator that the love of the Father is not in him. That's a spiritual indicator. John's description of the world here in verse 16 In chapter 2, verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it is of the world. He breaks this down into three categories here. The lust of the flesh. This is man's natural lust. Those things that are contrary to righteousness. The word lust literally has the idea of craving, desirous, desirous of sinful things. The dictionary defines it as a sexual desire or appetite, especially when uncontrolled or illicit. The lust of the flesh, that's anything that appeals to man's fallen nature, 
the basic nature of the unregenerate, the depraved man. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, but the natural man, that is the man without Christ, the unsaved man, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. If you recall, when Jesus Christ began his earthly ministry in Matthew chapter 3, he's baptized by John the Baptist. Then in chapter 4, he's been out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, praying and fasting. And what happens? Satan comes and tempts him. And what does he tempt him with? He tempts him in the flesh. It says in Matthew 4, 2 and 3, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry, Jesus that is. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Jesus, you are physically hungry. I can fix it. Let these stones become bread, and your physical desires will be fulfilled. The lust of the flesh. Friends, are you allowing this description of the world to control you? It only takes a little seed to be planted before the produce comes, right? What are we sowing that eventually we will reap? How are you preventing yourself from falling to the lust of the flesh? John then goes on to say the lust of the eyes. Now, we know the eyes are the gateway into the mind, right? There is pressure to think the way the world thinks. What are you doing to prevent yourself and your eyes from lusting? I recall that account in Joshua chapter 7 when The people of Israel, under the leadership of Joshua, are moving into the promised land. And they have overtaken the folks at Jericho. There's been a great victory there. They move to the next city of Ai. And God reminds them, listen, you don't take any of the spoil from these cities. You leave it there. There's a soldier by the name of Achan who disobeyed. He ends up getting called on the carpet on it, ends up losing his life for it. But in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 20 and 21, it says this, When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. The believer must protect the mind's eye of temptations. It does not take long, once the eye catches the visual, to begin processing, contemplating, dreaming, and eventually acting upon that visual. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, then John says the pride of life. We know that pride is the root of all sin. Pride simply defined as a person who brags and tries to impress people with his importance. One commentator writes, Christians should not have big heads, but enlarged hearts. The writer of Proverbs in chapter 11, verse 2, When pride comes, then comes shame, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs 13.10, by pride comes nothing but strife, but with the well-advised is wisdom. James says, but now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. God is more pleased with a humble heart than a proud heart. So I ask the question, what are we doing to prevent ourselves from the sin of pride? We know, according to the world, everybody wants to be number one. We know, according to the world, that you do everything it takes to get to number one, to get to the top. These are the same devices that Satan used to trap Eve in the garden. Remember that account in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So we see John's declaration concerning the world. We see John's description of the world. And now we see in verse 17 John's determination regarding the world. In verse 17, John writes these words, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Friends, chasing the world will result in disappointment. John says, And the world is passing away. The world and the things of the world are only temporary. The latest fads, the most recent trends, they will soon vanish and be replaced with something new. You'll never be able to keep up with the latest and the newest of worldly things. And just because the world is accepting of immoral and inappropriate behaviors does not mean that we throw up our arms and say, everybody's doing it, we've lost the battle, let's just go with the flow, go with the tide. No. Because John says following God's will results in happiness. And the world is passing away, but he who does the will of God abides forever. God's will is permanent. It's unchangeable. He has a perfect will for you and your life. It may be that you make decisions that do not reflect or are in accordance with that perfect will, but his will is still perfect for you. And he desires of you to be consistent in your walk with him to give indicators, the indicator of not only genuine salvation and spiritual fruit, but the indicator of pursuing godly desires. And we do that through his word. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. My friends, be consistent in your daily living. I have a question for you as we wrap up today. Is the indicator light of pursuing godly desires on? Does your human dashboard indicate that there's an area in your life that needs addressed? Maybe it's this area of pursuing godly desires. You're so wrapped up. You're so consumed in the things of the world right now. Let me just remind you that bubbles, chasing bubbles, they'll eventually pop. Pursuing worldly things, pursuing worldly goals, pursuing the worldly system will eventually lead to a bust. (laughs) So let me encourage you to pursue godly things and make a difference for eternity. Thanks, friends, for joining us. Let me just encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, and that way you'll know when our latest episode is available. God bless and have a great day.